0: today, we're going to dive into the mindset, the thoughts of insecurity. I want to title this message, Investigating Insecurity. If you have a Bible, go to 1 Kings 19. Yeah, you can make some noise if you want to. You know, insecurity is not just something that comes when we're in middle school or when we're in elementary or high school. It's it's a thought that comes at us into our old age. Uh, At times, I've sat down with people who are in their 70s, 80s, 90s, who have expressed thoughts of insecurity, the definition of insecurity means to not be firmly fixed to to uh, in some ways feel unassured about yourself, to not feel confident about yourself, not feel confident about the future, to be uncertain about people's love for you, uh, to feel anxious, to constantly be questioning am I?" Good enough? Do people really like me? Are they talking bad about me? Uh, is my future secure? Is, is, does my boss like me? Is he going to fire me this next week? I remember uh, sitting down with someone I went to visit the nursing homes. Uh, our church does this every year in December. And I was sitting down with this lady. She was in her 80s. And she said, You know, I'm so insecure about my family's love for me because they rarely ever come to see me. And I just question if they really do like me and what they actually think about me. And it got me thinking. These thoughts of insecurity don't just come at us when we're teenagers, they come at us at every season of life. And if we don't deal with these thoughts of insecurity, the ultimate acts of insecurity can lead to a very dangerous, destructive, and self-destructive behavior. People who struggle with addictions and struggle with uh, overdosing, whether it's celebrities, uh, like Whitney Houston or celebrities like Robin Williams or people who are CEOs of companies. I mean, insecurity doesn't just attack people who are um, uh, dealing with very low-level problems, but people who are on the highest level of, of their, their, uh, their company or in their field of expertise. And those thoughts of insecurity can lead people to do dangerous things. In fact, we look at this story in 1 Kings 19, and it's a story about a man of God. He was the most powerful man in his time. His name was Elijah. Elijah was in the middle of momentum. He had just called down fire from heaven. He had just uh, taken down all the false prophets in Israel. They were he He had this whole competition of whose God was the one true God. He challenged the false prophets. He said, call on your gods, and if your gods answer with fire, then they are the true God. And if my God, Yahweh, Jehovah, answers with fire, then he's the one true God. So they started calling on their gods, all these false prophets. They started shouting, Baal, Baal. That was the name of their god. And no fire showed up. Elijah starts making fun of them. He says, I think Baal took a bathroom break. I think Baal's watching TV. I think Baal, he starts cracking jokes. And then he calls on his god, fire shows up. Then Elijah prophesies that rain is gonna fall. It hadn't rained for three years. All of a sudden, it starts raining. I mean, Elijah was extremely confident. He had no struggle with self-esteem. He had no question about who his God was and who he was in God, but everything changes. Everything changes in chapter 19. The most powerful, confident person in the story becomes the most insecure person in the story. It's crazy how a guy can have so much confidence, and then with one word from one person, all the confidence is gone. Look at this. In in chapter 19, verse 1, now Ahab, the king of Israel, told Jezebel, the queen of Israel, Everything that Elijah had done, how he had killed all the prophets with the sword, how he had called fire down from heaven, how he had prophesied rain was going to fall and a rainstorm came. So the queen of Israel, Jezebel, by the way, Jezebel was the most controlling, manipulative woman in her time. She pretty much ran the nation. Uh, Her husband did not, even though he was the king, he never made a decision. Jezebel always made all the decisions. She was extremely, um, constantly trying to override everyone's authority. And so Jezebel sends a message to Elijah, because she's angry. Her and her husband, they were wicked, right? And Elijah was like a revivalist. He was bringing revival to Israel, and the wicked leaders did not like it. And so Jezebel sends this message to Elijah. She says, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, If by this time tomorrow, I do not make your life like one of the prophets that you just killed. In verse three, it says Elijah became very afraid and he ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. This is what insecurity does it causes us to isolate ourselves. He left and he went by himself a day's journey into the wilderness. And he came to a broom bush, and he sat down under it, and he prayed that he might die. The ultimate act of insecurity is suicide. When I feel like nobody likes me, and I feel like people are making fun, and when I feel unvaluable, unworthy, and I discount and disqualify myself and feel not good enough, the ultimate act, this is where Elijah's at. He's now spiraled. The man of God has now spiraled into a deep depression, a deep suicidal thought pattern, All from fear about what someone thinks towards him. Insecurity is dangerous. He says to God, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I am no better than my dead ancestors. I want to just give you, like, real quickly, the spoiler alert, Elijah gets out of this and he breaks free. Y'all are like, this is a really sad 4th of July sermon, Paul. (laughs) Don't worry. It ends good. He breaks free of the insecurity. He goes back into his ministry. But I just want to set this story up today that God has a plan for all of us in this room to live with confidence, to have a healthy mental and emotional state that's not controlled or dictated by what people think about us or what we think they think about us or what we think they're saying about us or whether or not we feel like we measure up in the eyes of others. God wants us to live with a strong security and confidence that only comes from him. That's what this message is about. So, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today. I pray that we would leave with more courage inside our hearts than what we came in here with. And I pray that any discouragement, any fear, any insecurity, any feelings of inferiority, inadequacy, God, any spirit of intimidation that's been plaguing people in the room or online, that today is a day that you restore power, love, and a sound mind. In Jesus' name, everybody said Amen. Amen. I, I want to kind of investigate insecurity for a second and just dig, where, where does insecurity come? How does it get inside of us? I think it starts at a very young age. Uh, there's things that I walked through as a kid that started stirring up insecurity and, and wondering whether or not I measured up in the eyes of people. And um, I remember as a kid, our family, we went to a movie theater, which was rare, um, growing up, like my dad just was not a movie guy, but he decided to take our whole family to go see Beethoven and It was like a summer July big movie. y'all remember Beethoven about the dog yeah, yeah yeah so um, these these are the nineties right i 'm a nineties kid, and so i we go to the movie theater. And we walk in. We get popcorn, drinks, candy. The movie theater is packed. Everybody wanted to see Beethoven. And I was so excited, right? So we go walk in and we sit down. We're on like the second or third row. People are recognizing us. I can hear whispers in the room. They're like, that's Pastor Pastor Billy Joe Darty. That's the Darty family. That's the Victory Church pastors. You know, and I'm hearing it. I'm like seven or eight years old. I'm already feeling like a little insecure, but I'm like, it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. We're a cool family. We're here to see Beethoven. And I got my shirt tail tucked in. Like, I'm, I just feel like I got a belt on and jeans, and, like, I think I was wearing Converse tennis shoes. It was, I was just feeling really cool. Had my hair gelled over to the side. Me and John were matching. We had our hair combed over to the side. We're here to see Beethoven. We're sitting in the theater, eating our popcorn. Ten minutes into the movie, my dad goes, boys, up. In fact, the whole family, get up. And we were like, what? what? Why? And he was like, we're leaving. We're not staying in this movie. And we were like, what happened? He's like, I... I'm not gonna, you guys just get up right now. So we go walking out of the theater, people are talking, they're whispering, I'm feeling super embarrassed, insecure, and he goes, and we said, Dad, why are we leaving? He said, I did not like the dress that that lady was wearing. And John and I were like, we did. (laughs) Like, can we go back in the movie? And He was like, no, spankings for both of you, (laughs) you know? We left the movie theater, and I felt so insecure. And I remember, like, friends asked me, "Did you see Beethoven?" And I was, I was like, wanting to lie. I was like, "Yeah, I did see it. I'm really cool. I saw the whole movie." But reality, I only saw ten minutes. And I remember these feelings of like some of the convictions our family had made me insecure, made me insecure because friends of mine were able to let they were allowed to watch shows that I couldn't watch, movies that I couldn't see, music. And I remember just feeling at times like not as cool as my friends. I remember in seventh grade, all of my friends, they got AOL, instant messenger. You guys remember AOL, instant messenger? I didn't have it. We didn't really have the internet in our house for a little while. And, um, and I remember my friends, they were all like having cool conversations. And then I was trying to be a part of it. I was like, that's cool. And, you know, they were asking me if, the, if I have AOL. I was like, no, I have an email account. I'm like, what's your email? I was like, romeo25 at juno.com. I thought it was a cool email. They made fun of my email. I remember the first birthday party where I got laughed at. Fourth grade, I show up to a birthday party. I gained some weight that year. I had braces, and I just started eating a ton of extra food, and I got bigger. And, and between fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, I just I, I gained a lot of weight. I show up to this birthday party. I go walking out to the pool. I take my shirt off, and all of a sudden, everybody starts making fun of me. And they start making fun of my stomach, and I got so insecure, I ran back in the house, I put on a long sleeve shirt, ran back out to the pool, jumped in the pool, and then they start going, we know why you're wearing a long sleeve shirt. I was like, stop it, I'm awesome, I look cool, you know, and I was feeling so insecure. And I remember as, as a kid just feeling these moments, how many of you guys can relate, where you felt like, do I fit in, do they like me, are they talking bad about me, are they making fun of me, why do they look at me like that? Even while I'm preaching right now and talking about insecurity, I'm starting to feel a little bit insecure looking at your faces right now. Because the way, and one of you just walked out to the restroom. But in my mind, I'm thinking they're leaving because they don't like the sermon. What is that? That's insecurity. I deal with this as a pastor. Every single week, I question. I, I have thought bubbles that I draw over some of your heads and I'm like, they don't like it. They're on their phone and they're not taking notes. They are on Instagram. They do not even like this message. And this is what insecurity does. Insecurity causes us to believe things that aren't even true. It creates hallucinations, it creates isolation, and ultimately, for Elijah, it was leading him down a path of self-destruction. Why, why do people um, pick up, like, really bad habits, Why do why do people get into addictions, why do people Become anorexic and and, and have bulimia. And why do we get into the, it's because we care so much about somehow looking good in the eyes of people, being accepted by people, searching this quest to feel secure. And insecure can lead to so many destructive things. At the root of insecurity, it's the fear of man. Proverbs 29, verse 25, the wisest man in his time, King Solomon, he said, the fear of man is a trap for your life. It's a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Whoever trusts in the Lord, the cure to insecurity is caring more about what God thinks than what everybody else thinks. The fear of man is rooted in an approval addiction. I remember when we started putting our sermons as, as a church on YouTube, and um, our media director, he was like, Paul, they're up on YouTube. You should go and look at what people are saying about the message. I was like, awesome. So I, you know, I go over to YouTube and start reading some of the comments. And I start looking at like the thumbs up on YouTube and then I look over and there's like thumbs down. And I see like, I'm starting to count like where we got like 15 thumbs up and we got a couple, who are these thumbs down people? So I call our media guy and I go, how do I find out who the thumbs down, like who put the thumbs down on there? And he's like, it's anonymous, we don't know. And I was like, all right, we're gonna try to find the IP address for the thumbs down people. (laughs) So whatever you got to do, call the cops. Call, like, we need, and he's like, why? And I go, because I need to talk to these people. Why don't they like me? Why don't they like my sermons? What am I doing wrong? Insecurity can drive a person crazy. I, I can tell by the way you're looking at me. You're like, this guy needs help. I do. I will admit I need God's help. <laughs> you know an insecure person when they won't admit that they're insecure. I'm not insecure. I read this book by a guy named Ed Welch, and the title of the book was When People Are Big and God is Small. When People Are Big and God is Small. Really good title. I like that. And he asked some questions to kind of dig into whether or not you deal with insecurity, and I want to give you those questions. Do you often feel the need that you have to have something from other people? Do you crave compliments? Are you ever afraid that you might be exposed as an imposter? Are you overly concerned with how you look? Do I look good? Do I look good? Is my hair right? my shirt right? Did I do it right? Does it look good? <laughs> Are you overly concerned with how much you weigh? Whether or not you've gained too much weight in the last few weeks, last few months, last year. Are you overly concerned with how you're dressed? Do you think about your self-worth or self-esteem a lot? Do you often feel painfully unappreciated? They don't appreciate me. Boss doesn't appreciate me. My family doesn't appreciate me. They never visit me. They're never thinking about me. I don't feel appreciated. They're never thanking me for what I've done. I've done so much for this company. I've done so much. I'm not appreciated. Do you make excuses for your mistakes? It's not my fault. I'm not the one who did it. It didn't happen like that. Do you justify bad behavior or shift blame because you can't handle the thought of failing in front of people? Because if I fail in front of people, I must be a failure, and I'm not a failure because I'm a success. So I can't admit that I did something wrong because admitting doing something wrong makes me look like a failure, and I can't be seen as a failure because I'm so insecure about being seen as someone who made a mistake. Do you show favoritism? Are you overcommitted, saying yes to everyone? because you have to please everybody and you can't stand the thought of letting somebody down because what if they stop liking you? You have to be liked so you have to say yes. Do you get easily embarrassed in front of people? Do you compare yourself to others? Do you feel good when you win? Do you feel envious when you lose? After walking away from a conversation, do you replay the conversation in your head? Does that person like me? Were they just laughing at my joke out of pity? Were they offended by what I said? Did I offend them? I need to text them. Are you offended, are you offended? Did I offend you? Do you think that I offended them? I need to ask some other people in the conversation, did I offend them? Hey, I'm I'm literally preaching to myself. This is a hard sermon for me to preach. It's surgical, right? Because we're digging deep. Where do these thoughts come from? We're investigating, are these thoughts worth believing? Overthinking conversations. If you ordered a steak at a restaurant and it came out cooked wrong, Would you send it back and ask for the cook to get it right or would you eat it without complaining and later on give it to your dogs? I don't want to offend the waitress. I don't want to offend the cook. I don't want to offend anybody. I know I paid for it, but I can't ask to send it back because if they don't like me, if they give me a look, they might put a hair on the steak, they might spit on the steak, and I know people are out to get me, and so I've gotta be very defensive, and I gotta keep a posture of constantly suspicious about everybody's motives towards me, and if they tell me they love me, I'm not really sure if they love me. I can't fully believe if they love me because they're gonna hurt me like other people hurt me in the past, so I don't wanna get too attached because they're probably gonna leave anyways Insecure. Are you able to take criticism? Constructive criticism. Or do you feel like everybody's trying to attack you? Do you make eye contact when you talk? Is what I do good enough? Is that a question you ask often? Was it good enough? Was I good enough? Did I do a good enough job? Does my boss like me? Are they gonna fire me this week? Oh, snap, are they really gonna fire me? Oh, crud, they're gonna fire me. I know they're gonna fire me. Constantly questioning where you stand with others. Do people see me for for more than what I can do for them? Is my life mediocre compared to my perception of others? Do I even trust myself? These are questions that dig deep into where does insecurity come from? And when we become so concerned about what people think about us and we have an excessive fixation on everyone else's opinions, we become paralyzed in our purpose. This is why Elijah was running running from his ministry, running from his purpose, the man who called fire down from heaven literally just 24 hours earlier, the man who prophesied rain was gonna fall and now he's running because of one woman's opinion? One woman's words sent this powerful, confident man into a spiral, suicidal, depressed state? It's crazy what insecurity can do to the strongest of us in the room. And if we don't deal with it, It will take us out. I want to give you real quickly eight things that happen when you let insecurity rule your life. Eight consequences. Number one, idolatry, idolatry. God said you should have no other God before me. When I care more about everyone else's opinions than God's, I've now put people on the throne of my heart. When I care more what man thinks about me than what God thinks, then now I've created an idol in my life. If I'm seeking to please man more than I'm seeking to please God, then I'm missing the whole point of life. This last week, I I went to the mountains and um, I spent some time just kind of seeking God and I try to do this once a year. And the first time I did this, I felt like, oh, I could never tell anyone that I went exploring in the mountains. Like, people would be like, oh, that's a waste of time. You're a pastor. You should be studying. You should be with people. You should should always be working. Um, And so, you know, at first, I felt this insecurity about even telling people that I went to go into the mountains to just like have a refreshing time with God. But then I became more secure about telling people. And so this year I thought, you know, I'm gonna post about my journey in the mountains. So I posted a picture of, of standing between the canyons. I think we have the picture up there. Um. <laughs> All right, don't leave it up too long. They're already laughing. You guys are making me really insecure right now. Take the picture off. Take the picture off. <laughs> delete, delete, delete. <laughs> so I posted the picture. I sent it to Ashley first, and I said, what are your thoughts? She was like, oh, this is great. I love it. You should post it. I was like, okay, cool. And then as soon as I posted it, people start making fun of me. And I was making fun of myself too, so I'm all good. I'm like, all right, I can handle the heat. I can handle the the jokes. Then I get an email. And the email goes, how dare you post a picture without your shirt on? You're a pastor. And I was like, oh, snap. That's right, there's that one scripture that says pastors are not allowed to ever take their shirt off. It's in 1st 13, 1311, bull snot. And y'all remember in fourth grade, I struggled to ever take my shirt off. I was so insecure. I was so insecure. Even, Even when I lost weight, I still kept a shirt on all through high school. I just never wanted to take my shirt off. And so here I was, it's 100 degrees in, in the heat, and I'm in the desert, and so I had my shirt off, and I, y'all, it was shoulders up. I didn't show y'all my belly, it was just shoulders up. <laughs> Nobody's seeing the belly button. And, but yet I felt so insecure by the email, so I call Ash and I'm like, I need to delete the post, and I need to apologize this weekend that I posted a picture that showed my shoulders up because now I've probably, like, I've sinned, and she was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Insecurity can stop us, and it can, it can stifle us from really enjoying our life. I remember talking to one guy who got blessed with a brand new car, got blessed with it. And he said, I can't tell anybody. I said, why? He said, because people are gonna judge me. People are gonna judge me. I said, what does their opinions matter? God blessed you with a brand new car. I remember talking to a single parent mom who got blessed with a brand new car from our church. And she said, I just feel like I can't tell anybody about it. Why? because it's gonna offend some other single parent moms that didn't get a new car. I said, you need to wear your blessings well. God gave you that blessing. You don't need to be ashamed of the blessings God gave you. Come on, somebody, we, listen, our society is so petty and we are so obsessed with, with this approval of people. We are idolizing humans over God. I care more about everyone else's opinion than God's opinion. Secondly, it leads to ineffectiveness. The consequence of insecurity is I become ineffective. I, I, I'm no longer like walking out my purpose because I'm afraid that somehow I'm going to fail in front of people. Somehow I'm not going to be approved by people. I'm preoccupied by what everyone's thinking, so I'm no longer effective in my job, I'm no longer effective as a pastor. Thirdly, it leads to a lack of authentic love. We're now overly concerned with getting it right in the eyes of people. We turn people into projects to accomplish We withhold our compassion, we grow reserved, we calculate everybody's movements around us, everybody's words. And now we're no longer being authentic, we're just trying to win people's approval. It's like we're all on The Voice, we're all on American Idol, hoping that someone will hit the button, turn the chair around and say, you win, Paul, I choose you. (laughs) Imagine, right, The, the Olympics are about to come up. Imagine if those gymnasts on the Olympics, got out there on that, you know, what's it called where they walk on the beam? Yeah, the beam. Imagine, <laughs> imagine, imagine that, that, like, one of those amazing Olympians gets out on the beam and then starts looking around the room and starts seeing the news cameras and the people and forgets her routine. And all of a sudden, she gets down on her knees, lays down. And out of fear, she just hugs the beam for five minutes, and all the news cameras are watching, and she's staring at everybody, and then she gets up from the beam, and she goes like this. <laughs> we would be like <puff> 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 But so many of us, we, we live like this. We're so afraid. We're so afraid of what people think. We hug the beam of life, and then we get to eternity, and we go, here we are, God. I did my best. Jesus told a parable about insecurity. He said there was three guys that were each blessed with gifts and talents. One got five, one guy got two bags, and then one guy got one bag. And the guy with five bags, he was so confident. He just said, I don't care what anyone thinks. I'm going to use what I've got. I'm going to make the most of it. I'm going to write every book that I have. I'm going to sing every song. And if nobody likes it, that's fine. But I've got to live with courage and audacious faith. And I've got to take some risks. And I've got to be like, un, like I've got to overcome these insecurities about failing in the eyes of people. And so he multiplied his five bags. The other guy with two bags, he did the same thing. He lived with faith over fear confidence over insecurity. He multiplied the gifts and the talents. But the guy with one bag, he thought, if I write a book, what if nobody reads it? What if it's a failure of a book? And what if I wrote a song and I showed it to people, but they didn't even like it? And what if I was to preach a sermon, but nobody really listened? I'm just going to hide the gift I have because I'm so insecure that I might fail if I take a step, a risk, or step out in faith. So I'm going to hide it. And Jesus said the master came back, and he found the man who had hid the bag with one talent. And he said, give this man's bag to the guys who did something with what they had. At least they tried. At least they stepped out. At least they embraced their imperfections. At least they weren't afraid to take a risk. At least they overcame their insecurity. But you, sir, you caved into your fear. You never did anything with what I gave you because you were so afraid of getting it wrong. This is what insecurity does. It paralyzes us, and we miss out on the purpose that God has for us. Fourthly, it leads to fakeness. I'm no longer being real. I'm a fake person. We create robots, right? And we become robotic in our life. We start. This is what happened with Jacob. His mom told him, hey, Jacob, your dad likes Esau more than he likes you. Talk about, like, stirring up insecurity in a kid's kid's mind. The mom tells her son, your dad likes your brother more than he likes you. True story, Genesis 37. You should read it. It's really sad. But, but what happens, Genesis 27, is Jacob believes his mom's truth, and he takes that, and he says, okay, maybe if I pretended to be more like my brother, he gets in this comparison trap. Insecurity leads to comparison. If I, if I had my brother's skin, if I had my brother's hair, if I had my brother's life, if I had his gifts, then maybe dad would like me the way he likes Esau, so he does. He puts on fake hair. He sprays his brother's cologne on him. He, 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 he pretends to be someone he's not. This is what insecurity does. It causes us to die as a copy, even though we were born as an original. And fifthly, it leads to apathy. Apathy. Insecurity will cause you to quit taking any risks because of the embarrassment that might happen if you fail. If any endeavor is unlikely to succeed, you stop taking the chances. And so you become apathetic in life. It leads to dishonesty next. And then it leads to isolation. The fear of man and insecurity won't allow you to believe that anyone's for you. And so you pull away from relationships. You distance yourself. You become suspicious about everybody's motives towards you. And lastly, it leads to decision paralysis. When I live with insecurity, I stop making any decisions. I spin in circles, unable to move forward. Here, Elijah has gone into the wilderness. Let's check back into his story. It says in verse 8 of 1 Kings 19, Elijah journeyed 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And then he went into a cave all by himself, and he spent the night. So he's isolated He's paralyzed in his purpose. He's suicidal. He's depressed, all because of insecurity. He's discouraged. He's overwhelmed, and God shows up. I love how God shows up in the middle of people's worst moments in their life. God is not intimidated by your depression. He is not He is not grossed out by your addictions, by anorexia, by suicidal thoughts, by anything. Like God says, okay, you need some help, and I'm coming for you. It's not the healthy that need a doctor. It's the sick. And when you open up to God, God shows up. He doesn't reject you. He doesn't condemn you. He comes close to you. And he says, even if you're a pastor or a celebrity or a leader or a janitor in a company, if you're dealing with insecurity, I, I want to help you. So God says to Elijah, in verse 9, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? Paul, what are you doing here? John, what are you doing here, Sarah? What are you doing? Why, why do you care so much about their approval of you? They didn't make you, so stop letting them break you. They didn't create you in your mother's womb. So stop letting them cancel your purpose and your confidence and who I've called you to be. What are you doing here, Elijah? You've given more weight to the people in your life whose words should not even matter to you. It's one thing to consider the source and say, this is my dad speaking, and he has some words of wisdom for me. It's another thing to say, this is just somebody who's now putting me down, and I'm trying to conform to the image of how they think I should be. Right? I think a practical tool to overcome insecurity is to truly consider the source of who's saying what and what they're actually saying and what you're just believing and assuming that they might be saying. Is this fact or is this a feeling? Is this an assumption or is this true? Right? And we've got to dig deep into that. I've got to choose to not let anyone hold my worth in their hands. My worth should be determined by my creator, nobody else. My value and my purpose for life is not determined by you or by anybody else except for God. No matter how close you are to me, ultimately, I have to place the value of my life in my creator's hands, otherwise I'll be on a roller coaster of emotions and mental health. I was looking back at some pictures of our church a few months ago. We were celebrating our 40-year anniversary. And I saw pictures of people who were with us in the 80s, the 90s, the early uh, 2010s, through the four decades, and I was like, oh, my goodness, I remember them. I was telling our media guy, we got to put that picture in there. I remember those guys. I remember them. I remember those friends. And at first, it was like really nostalgic, and then I started getting sad. I was like, where are those friends? (gasps) They left the church, and I started having a pity party. And I started thinking about the people who have died, the people who have left, the people who, in my mind at the time, abandoned us, and I started feeling discouraged, and then God said something. It was like he was speaking to me as I was looking at all these memories and all these pictures, and God said, none of them were your source for success. None of them were your source, not even your father, Paul. He's not your source for affirmation, validation, feeling secure. When my dad passed away, I was so insecure about the future of our church. I was so uncertain. I was so doubtful. Are we going to make it? Are we going to get through this? And I had faith in my mom. She is the definition of perseverance. She is amazing. Pastor Sharon Darty is incredible. So this is definitely not in reference to her leadership. What I'm saying is insecurity will stir up all kinds of thoughts that aren't true about your life, about your future, about your finances. And you start believing things that aren't true. I started believing all kinds of things. I need him. I need them. If that family leaves our church, we're not going to make it. If my friend's not with me, if he moves to another state, I don't know how I'm going to be secure without that friendship in my life. And it was like as I looked at these pictures, God was saying, they were never your source. They were never your source. Elijah, you don't need Jezebel's approval to be confident who I've called you to be. You don't need everybody to like you, but you need to like you. Because you live with you, and even when you take a vacation, you don't take a vacation from yourself. You go with you everywhere you go. Some of y'all are like, that's amazing. (laughs) I remember I had a revelation because I thought if I dislike myself, maybe I'll be better. Like You don't make yourself better by hating yourself more. One of the best ways to become mentally and emotionally healthy is to love who God made you to be. I heard one person say, um, you know, you shouldn't be confident in yourself. You should be confident in God. And I I hear what that, I hear that. And I actually, I believe that, except for I also believe that you should be confident in who God made you to be. Because if you aren't confident in who God made you to be, God doesn't just want you confident in him. He wants you confident in his creation. David wrote in Psalm 139, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God, you make all things Well, David was saying, you did a good job on me, God. And I can already hear some people go, oh, that is so cocky. That is so arrogant that David said God did a good job on him. No, you know what David was saying? He was saying, I may not be my dad's first pick because he wasn't. His own biological father didn't even think about him when Samuel the prophet came to find the next king of Israel, Jesse, the father of David. He brought out all the other sons before he brought out David. David was not confident in himself in an arrogant way. He was confident in himself in a godly way. He was saying, I may not be their first pick, and maybe I've gained too much weight in the eyes of these people, and maybe this guy thinks that I have no business being on the battlefield with Goliath, and maybe these people assume that I'm an arrogant, cocky little kid, but God, I know who you are, and I know that you don't make mistakes. And even if I was born out of a sin my mother committed, and even if everybody else accuses me of motives that aren't true, God, I'm going to believe what you say about me, that I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and you did a good job on me. I'm not a mistake. I'm not a failure of a person. I'm not a dysfunctional human being. I have a purpose. I'm here on purpose because I have a purpose. So I'm not going to believe these thoughts of suicide and depression and insecurity this is where David was at he was convincing himself I am a good creation because I have a good creator and a good creator does not make bad creations he makes good creations because he's a good creator and when God finished the six days of creation on the seventh day he rested he said it is so good you know what God thinks about you he thinks good thoughts to overcome insecurity I want to give you real quickly four ways to overcome insecurity number one We've got to renew our mind to God's word. I cannot be transformed into who God's called me to be without renewing my mind. Paul said in Romans 12 verse 2, you change your behavior by changing your thoughts. You change your life by changing your mindset. The battle is between the ears. So I have to renew my mind to God's word. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, I am God's masterpiece, His handiwork, created to do good things that He prepared in advance for me to do. Romans chapter 8 says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I've been adopted by God. I've been washed by the blood of Jesus. He paid the highest price for my life. He calls me valuable. calls me his own. When God showed up to talk to Gideon, Gideon was the most insecure kid in Israel. God said, hey, mighty warrior, Gideon said, who are you talking to? <laughs> He said, yeah, you mighty warrior, Gideon. Gideon said, "Uh, I'm the weakest in my family, and I come from a very dysfunctional family, and our family is not strong in Israel, and we don't belong on the battlefield. And God said, you're the warrior that I'm going to use to lead Israel to its best days yet. And Gideon said, I don't believe it, so I'm going to test you on this. Gideon's insecurity led him to just questioning God, everybody, everything, but sure enough, God used Gideon to do amazing things, and God wants to use you to do amazing things, but you got to renew your mind. Number two, trust completely in God's love and validation for you. Trust completely in God's love and validation for you. You only need God's love and validation to be secure and confident. David said, if I've got Jesus, I can make it. If I've got God on my side, if God is for me, who can be against me? Who can be against me? I remember watching this movie years ago about a young boy, true story, in Sierra Leone. He was kidnapped from his family, watched his mother get shot in front of him, his brother. His father escaped. And it was during the time where there was a genocide and a civil war in Sierra Leone. And the rebels were killing just massive, like just going into towns and killing innocent people, children, men, women, grandparents. And they gave this seven-year-old boy that they kidnapped a machine gun. And then they drugged him, just put drugs in his mind and his body, just shot him up with all kinds of drugs. And then they told him, you are a killer. You are born to kill. And they said, you need to kill everyone you see. And so this boy at seven, eight years old walked into towns with a machine gun, and he shot innocent kids, babies, parents. He was taught to kill for the next year and a half as he was part of the rebel army. All he did was go into towns and kill people. He became one of their top soldiers as an eight-year-old boy. And one day his father came and found him, snuck into the rebel camp, and he said, son. The son didn't recognize his dad at first. He said, son, it's me. It's your daddy. And the son pulled out the gun. He said, I'm going to shoot you, Dad, because I'm a killer now. I've been trained to kill. The dad said, no, 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 son. The dad starts crying. He said, you're not a killer. You're a soccer player. You're going to be a doctor one day. You're a good boy. You're my son. And the boy said, no, no, I'm not good. I'm bad. I'm bad. I've made bad decisions. And I'm going to kill you. And he points the machine gun at his dad to shoot him. And his dad comes closer and he says, no, son, you're not a killer. You're not a killer. You're my son. You're a good boy. And all of a sudden, the boy, you just see his eyes just starts bawling. He drops the machine gun. He hugs his dad. He said, Dad, I can never be forgiven for what I've done. I've killed innocent kids. His dad just hugs him in his arms. He says, I forgive you. I love you, son. You're a good boy. And I was weeping watching this movie, and I was thinking, this is how God comes into our lives. And he comes, and he speaks a word, and his blood is stronger than your sins, stronger than your mistakes, and he calls you his own. Number three, if I'm going to break free of insecurity, I've got to see myself the way God sees me. See yourself the way God sees you. Stop calling yourself ugly every time you look at the mirror. Stop calling yourself unqualified. Stop thinking your boss wants to fire you every week. Stop questioning whether you did a good job on the meeting or gave a good sermon or gave a good speech or stop overthinking every single conversation, feeling like you're constantly offending everyone. You've got to see yourself the way God sees you. David said, Lord, you've searched me and you know me. You know words on my mouth before they even leave my tongue. You know my thoughts from afar and you think good things about me. God, your thoughts for me outnumber the sands on the seashore, and every time you think about me, you think thoughts of love and affection for me. David was convinced that God loved him. Number four, if you're going to break free of insecurity, if I'm going to break free of insecurity, I've got to speak over myself what God says about me. It's not enough to just read it. I've got to speak it. Numbers 13, verse 33, the Israelites said, we are like grasshoppers in the eyes of our enemies. We are not worthy to take the promised land. We are not qualified. We are like grasshoppers in our own sights. They convinced themselves of an insecure thought and they believed it and they spoke it and they canceled out their future purpose. For 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness of depression because they lived with insecurity about the future. Let's go back to Elijah. I wanna just hear what God says to him. God speaks to Elijah in 1 Kings 19 in the cave. And there was an earthquake, but God was not in the earthquake. There was a fire, but God was not in the fire. There was a windstorm, but he was not in the windstorm. And then there was a gentle whisper. And the whisper of God came to him in verse 13, and God said again, Elijah, what are you doing here? Paul, what are you doing here? And Elijah said, God, I've been very zealous the Israelites rejected your covenant, they've torn down your altars, I'm the only one left. Insecurity becomes narcissistic. You start thinking you're the only one, I'm the only one who does this, I'm the only one who deals with this. I remember when I was in college, I signed up to be a referee for intramurals because I wanted to break free from insecurity. <laughs> and it was my fourth job that year, and so I refereed 10 games a week. If you want to break free from insecurity, become a referee. You will get all the booze, People will spit on you. I got pushed. I mean, these the girlfriends of some of these guys were yelling at me. Are you blind? You're the worst ref I've ever seen. You know, and I was trying to do my best. And every night I'd go home and I got five dollars an hour to be a referee and just hear the worst things yelled at me. And I, and yet I was learning. Don't take it personal. Don't take it personal. You're just being a referee. You're just doing your job. Don't take it personal. But then I was also learning to do take it personal. Y'all are like, what? I thought you said don't. But don't take it personal in the sense that my value and my worth is not attached to their boos or their approval of my calls. But do take it personal because a secure person can handle constructive criticism to grow. And so I, I started going home. I started learning how to become a better referee, not because my value was attached to what they said about me, but because I wanted to be a better referee. And in the same way, a secure person starts learning, I want to ask for feedback, and I can handle it, and I don't lose my value with it because I'm not attached. My identity is not attached to what they say to me. And I begin to speak over myself. I I remember even two years ago, I had a nightmare one night that a violent thing was going to happen to me in church. And so the next week at church, I was looking around the room. I was so insecure to get up and preach I leaned over to our security and our ushers. I said, is there anyone in here with a gun? And they were like, it's Oklahoma. We don't know. <laughs> and I said, is, I mean, is anyone looking violent? They were like, we don't know. Maybe that lady on the second row, she looks a little interesting. <laughs> And I was so nervous to get up on stage. I was insecure. What if I get shot? What if something violent happens to me? And I was so afraid. Afraid to come into our 11 a.m. service. Afraid to be in a large gathering. Afraid to go to the mall. Afraid to eat in a restaurant. Afraid to be around people. What if I get hurt? And I had these nightmares. And I became so insecure. But the Lord said, flip the lie. Do the opposite of what the insecurity is telling you to do. If the insecurity is telling you to stay in your seat, get up on that stage and preach. If the insecurity is saying don't show them the song, get up there and show them the song. If the insecurity is saying you don't have a good sermon, you preach that sermon with power and you preach it with the anointing because you are a child of God and the words that I put in you do not return void. My words accomplish what I've called them to accomplish. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. So Paul, when the insecurity tells you don't go to church because something violent might happen, you show up to church and you walk in there with love and with kindness and compassion and don't Don't be suspicious about every person you talk to, and don't question whether people like you. And if they give a good compliment, believe it, and don't let it go to your head. Give the glory to God, but stop questioning your value and your worth and your future because of insecure thoughts. And for the next year, every single week during 2019, I struggled to get on this stage. I've never told you all this, but in 2019, I struggled to get on stage. I was so afraid of something violent happening. Every single week, every single week, I would close my eyes and I would say, I'm going to live and not die and declare the works of the Lord because the nightmare was so intense in my mind that I was afraid that I was going to get, I was afraid something bad was going to happen. And I would tell Ashley, I just don't know if I should preach because what if something bad happens? And she'd say, well, is that the Lord? Did the Lord give you a spirit of fear? Did the Lord give you a spirit of intimidation or power, love, and a sound mind? I had to speak it over my mind. Lord, I thank you You've not given me a spirit of fear. You've not given me a spirit of intimidation or insecurity, but power, love, and a sound mind. When the 13 colonies separated from Great Britain, they made a courageous decision. When they signed the Declaration of Independence, they were saying, we are no longer under the rule of King George and the tyranny of him withholding us, being able to worship and freely do what we want to do. When they separated, they signed that. I was thinking this weekend, what if we could break free from the tyranny, from the tyranny of the spirit of insecurity? What if we could declare our dependence on God and stop questioning every single day whether or not we are good enough because we find our value and our security and our confidence in what God's Word says about us and what God's Word says about our future? Come on, stand your feet all over this place. So when God spoke to Elijah, he said, Elijah. I'm not finished with you, your assignment is not over, your ministry is not done, go back with confidence and go do what I've called you to do. And Elijah broke free of the depression, he broke free of the isolation, he went back, he anointed Elisha, the ministry multiplied through Elisha. And I don't know who I'm talking to today, but whoever in the room just needs some freedom in your mind, you need victory over uncertainty, over doubt, insecurity questioning your value, your worth. If you would, just close your eyes all over this place. Lord, I just pray right now for every man in the room, every woman in the room, young and old, from 13 years old to 97 years old. Whatever those thoughts are that aren't from God, that are causing people to question their value, question their worth, question whether they look good in the eyes of people or whether or not they measure up. I pray today, God, that there would just be a victory over insecurity. I pray for anyone who's got caught in the spiral of depression or thoughts that are just stirring up all kinds of feelings of inadequacy. I pray today, God, that you would set free people from the slavery to fear and insecurity all over this room with heads bowed and eyes closed. If that's you, and you, just, you just need victory in your thoughts in this area. I want you to raise your hand up all over this room. Yeah. Insecurity will tell you, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. What if people think this about you? But a secure person says, no, I'm ready. I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready for freedom in this area. I am ready to be done with these thoughts. I'm tired of overthinking every single day in conversation. I am ready to believe the best about what God says about me, what he says about my future. With hands raised today, if you're here today and you say, I'd like to join in that group. I need, I need freedom in an area in my life. Why don't you just come down to the altar? Go ahead. Just do the opposite of what insecurity is telling you to do. Just flip the lie today and say, I am going down to that altar with confidence. I can approach the throne room of grace with confidence. This is what Hebrews 4 verse 15 says, let us come boldly into his throne room of grace and receive the grace that he has for us. Let us come boldly with confidence. Come on, today, you're getting your confidence back. Let's sing this worship song together all over this room. Let's just begin to worship God today. As you do that, he's gonna renew your mind. He's gonna renew your mind. He's gonna renew your mind. mind. Oh, Hi, yeah. remember this story I was told when I was a teenager about this old rock statue that sat in the middle of a town square in Southeast Asia. And it had sat there for hundreds of years. People had forgotten who put it there, why it was there. It was just a big rock statue as big as this stage. True story, it had become a sore sight to the whole town. People spit their gum on it, put trash on it, it started to crack in certain places, and it just looked ugly. And so the mayor of the town said, we gotta, we got to remove this, but it's so big, we need tractors. So they got tractors, and they put chains around it. And as they started moving the statue, all of a sudden, it started to crumble, and inside of it sat the largest piece of gold in all of Asia. No one knew this whole time that much gold was sitting inside of this statue. The only one who knew was the one who put it in there hundreds of years before. And when the town discovered it, they obviously realized that they had misjudged this statue in the middle of their town, and now it sits, the piece of gold is is known from this village where it sits there. And it got me thinking how so often we've allowed what people have said about us to determine our value and our worth, but God says there's gold inside you. There is so much more gold and value, and he's the only one who knows because he put it in there. He sees your value and your worth. So I just hear the Lord saying to you today, you are more valuable than you think. You are more worth You are worth more than you realize and more than what other people have made you feel like you're worth. Maybe you feel like you've been rejected, disrespected, dishonored. Maybe you feel like you've been laughed at. Maybe you feel like you've been disapproved by people. Maybe in your own eyes, you feel like what the Israelites said, I'm just a grasshopper at my own sight. I'm, I'm a nobody, I'm nothing. But God says, no, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are a masterpiece. They didn't make you, so stop letting them break you. They did not put the gold inside you, so do not let them determine the worth of your life, the value of your life. God says, I see great things in you, great things ahead of you. Your future is secure in God. Your best days are in front of you. He who started this work in you will be faithful to complete it. So just, if you would, put your hand on your mind with me today as we finish the service and just say this. I have the mind of Christ. I have not been given a spirit of fear or insecurity or intimidation, but power, love, and a sound mind. So I take every thought that's not from God and I remove it and I fix my thoughts. On Jesus his words about me I am more than a conqueror I am forgiven redeemed renewed my future is bright I have victory because Jesus lives in me if you believe it say amen and amen come on come on church